Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. This is Simon Miller and you are listening to a pro wrestling show. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And thank you to everyone who signed up at patreon.com for Simon316. Every time I get that notification, it puts a massive smile on my face. So I always want to start off as many of these as possible by showing you my appreciation. I truly, truly mean it. Oh, this podcast would die without you. And shout out to pinsandknuckles.com as well, who also support the show and help me out with my merchandise. Now, this is becoming a cheap plug, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. But I throw it out there because I'm going to have new merchandise there soon. Got a couple of t-shirts left to sell, quite literally a couple left. And when everything hits zero, I can get to phase three, we'll call it. Not phase three at all. I'm just using a Marvel terminology. I don't even know where to begin this week. So I suppose we'll start with what everything, well, whatever the thing that everybody is talking about, which is Alexa Bliss, Shayna Baszler, Lily, and the end of Monday Night Raw. The blow I felt was somewhat softened because we all knew this was coming, right? We all knew this was the deal. It had been set up over the last few weeks. It would have been more surprising if we weren't going to get some kind of hocus pocus voodoo segment. I never thought it would be in the main event, well, the main event part, the last sort of 20 minutes of Raw. But I suppose what the hell else were you going to put after it? And sort of on the one hand, I kind of say to myself, I'm glad we're getting out of the Thunderdome because we won't be able to do stuff like this anymore. If we do, it will be presented in a very different way. But on the other, I ask, this is not really how the two-hand system works. You're meant to give the positive and the negative. I'm just giving two negatives here. I just don't get it. Like, when I watch wrestling, as we all know, and I'm sure you're the same, I like to suspend my disbelief, right? I like to pretend it's all real and it's all happening. And that's how I buy in emotionally. So I'm meant to think, the Alexa Bliss has become Bray Wyatt, right? Because Bray Wyatt's not on TV. She's just sucked in his whole character, like she's Kirby or something. And she has got a magic doll called Lily. Like, at no point have I been told that this is mind games or smoke and mirrors. I am being told that this is a real demonic, possessed, whatever doll, and it has magic powers, where it can fire <laughs> lightning bolts out of holes, and it can take over the LED screens in the Thunderdome, and also apparently can appear magically in rooms. And that's how we know this is meant to be legit, because Shayna Baszler locked herself in the room at the end of Raw, and she smashed a mirror because she kept looking in the mirror, and she could see Lily even though Lily wasn't there. Now, if you want to say, well, it was just a figment of her imagination, we then fall into the WCW trap. If you weren't around to watch WCW, there was a segment when the Ultimate Warrior appeared in a mirror as Hulk Hogan was looking at him. Now, here's where kayfabe and sense fell apart. Hulk Hogan could see him, the commentators could see him, him being the warrior, but Eric Bischoff was like, you crazy, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan, but we could see him, the fans. So the only person that couldn't see the ultimate warrior in the mirror was Eric Bischoff, meaning within the terms of the story, Eric Bischoff was the crazy one. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It was absolutely gibberish. And that's the same here. I saw Lily in the mirror. And because I saw her, it can't be a figment of Shayna Bates' imagination because I don't live in Shayna Bates' brain. Unless I do and nobody told me this, and somehow I'm in some kind of weird version of the Truman Show. Now, I always want to make it clear, and I know it's boring, but I, otherwise people go nuts. If you're well into this, uh, I applaud you. I truly, truly do, because you get to sit down with your entertainment show and you're entertained. And I don't even mind WWE doing this. I really, really, really don't. 
but it's just so flubbing weird. And it doesn't do anything for me. Like, if you go back to The Undertaker and Kane, because this is the comparison that lots of people make, I felt like Jim Ross did a really good job of saying, again, it's mind games, it's presentation, it's special effects. So, you know, and also it didn't hurt the fact that this was Undertaker and Kane, these two mammoth dudes that looked like they could kill you. So even if you did want to pretend, oh, well, Undertaker can shoot uh, lightning from his hands. Okay, but that wasn't the main part of his presentation. It wasn't the main part of his act. With Alexa Bliss and Lily, that's 100% part of the presentation. She goes on her swing, don't insult the doll, otherwise the doll is going to tear down the Thunderdome, essentially, and beat you up. Now, I'm going to assume we're going to do a cinematic match at Hell in a Cell. And then, of course, after that, we're essentially back at the point that we have fans in the building. So this may draw a line under all of that. But how Alexa Bliss then manifests herself as an in-ring character when you do have a crowd, I have absolutely... I have absolutely no clue. I just don't think this is the direction that Raw should be going in. I think that's the bigger the bigger takeaway. I, I always, I'm always up for people trying new things, but it's not like the first time we've tried it. And it's not really being represented in the ratings as it's being a positive choice. And I get that the internet fan base is a vocal minority. But even my casual fans see this stuff on the internet and they send me messages like, what the flub is this? You know, I'm so happy I'm not watching right now because a lot of them have checked out after WrestleMania. I don't see this as a... This to me feels like a hot topic among fans, so you and I, but it's not something that's generating any other kind of appeal. So why do we continue to sort of flog a dead horse? It's very, 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 very weird. And I just don't want it to sort of start permeating throughout the whole women's division because I think that was the problem with The Fiend as well. I like The Fiend, but it just wasn't... I had imagined that Bray Wyatt's vision for it was very different to what we got because we did fall into this, oh, we should make a horror movie. And again, I'm not massively adverse to that because of the pandemic and no fans and no crowd. Sure, try something different. But it kind of feels like to me, the Firefly Funhouse match opened this door that was never really shut again. And it probably needs to be shut (laughs) relatively quickly. I'm just also baffled that we would choose Shayna Baszler to do it. Shayna Baszler, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, and I've probably mentioned this before, but you know, she feels like, everyone said, oh, she feels like the most legit woman on the roster. Screw that. One of the most legit professional wrestlers, period. Be it from her training, the way she looks at wrestling, her MMA background, she comes across like she could whip your ass. And I actually thought she did a decent job in this, all things considered. Again, I wouldn't have done it. But she feels like a badass. The only time she didn't feel like a badass is when she's running through corridors screaming and having to shout in the mirror. But even then, I think you could have given that role to other people on the roster and they wouldn't have done as well with it. So more power to her. And I'm a big fan of Shayna Baszler's anyway. I prefer the sort of murdering, I'm going to kill you character. But hey, beggars beggars can't be choosers. I just don't know what they're going to do at Hell in a Cell. I mean, is Lily going to pin Shayna Baszler? And if Lily, a toy doll, does pin Shayna Baszler, do I need to start questioning whether I want to watch Monday Night Raw anymore? And I'm not sitting here and having this whole debate about, oh, it's a, it's a WWE problem. It is not a WWE problem. Bullshit. It is a, a Raw problem. Because SmackDown is a terrific wrestling show. I will admit the one we had last week wasn't as good as some of the ones that we have been seeing. But the Roman Reigns, Jimmy Uso, and Jey Uso stuff... Look, I never really like it when you have multiple matches or similar matches on the same card. So seeing the Mysterios and the Usos twice, mm, it kind of pushes my limits a little bit. But at least the story and the narrative rocked. And I think it's building a Hell in a Cell to Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio, which I don't think I've ever seen. And it's going to have a great narrative to it because Roman essentially tried to kill his child. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what he was trying to do. So, 
I, I don't know why they can't just take a page out of SmackDown's book. And again, yes, there were definitely errors on this week's SmackDown. I thought it was unfair to give Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin only two minutes because that feud has been doing okay. I mean, it's kind of dumb, but it's been entertaining. And as soon as you kind of put it in that sort of bracket, you're essentially telling the fan base, oh, you don't really need to care about this, but I want to care about it. I think Rick Boogs is good. I think Shinsuke Nakamura has found a new groove. And Baron Corbin, to me, always does a solid job. And I think this is some of his best work in ages. So I thought that was disappointing. And there was something else that uh, that I thought. Oh yeah, the, the the random matches, you know, Carmella versus Liv Morgan. It wouldn't have been as bad if both of them hadn't fallen into this pattern. And again, it's not their fault. But Carmella has random matches, and Liv Morgan especially seems to have had the singles competitor push triggered multiple times. And it always ends with her losing. And then she goes on social media and goes, "Watch the process." And like, well, I'd love to. But again, I can only, it's Boy Who Cried Wolf. I can't continue to believe what I'm seeing if it feels like we're just doing wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. So, you know, there were, there were elements to it. But overall, and I would like more people to be on the show. I want to make that, you know, that very clear as well. I don't, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a giant fan. Well, I'm just repeating myself now. But I think there's so many good guys that aren't being used that I would just like them to be used more, right? It, 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 there's people that would benefit from featuring on the show a little bit more and that's not to say i don't want less of roman or anything i don't i think roman ryan's right now is the best thing in wwe and one of the best things in all of pro wrestling seth rollins is a little bit of a controversial character i know in the q a later i saw a few questions come through on my twitter cheap plug at simon316 same with instagram and youtube check out simon miller do it thanks seth rollins the, the, this sort of you know loon character some people really like him some people don't i enjoy him and, you know, it, tying it into ups and downs on what culture wrestling, which you should also check out if you haven't already, but I'm sure you have if you're listening to this. He just kind of gave an interview and I didn't give it an up or a down because it was just kind of there. I was entertained by it, but it sort of lacked any real depth. And I was like, well, it's just there to sort of you know get to next week and probably build a return build a return to Cesaro. We're also talking about building stuff. We're going to do the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy next week. Again, the build is a little bit lame. Just Chad Gable and I was yelling at them. But look, if that's how we get there, that's how we get there. The Bailey Bianca Belair build too. Like I'm being well too negative because I am looking forward to that match and I'm glad that we're doing it again. But you know, if you were going to describe it to somebody, it would be oh they're rowing over the fact, <laughs> over the fact that somebody got laughed at. And you're like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's gonna, you know, get people through the door. But there were, again, overall though, the Roman Reigns sort of absolutely eviscerating the character and the and the self belief of Jay Uso by basically treating him like Jimmy, fantastic. Apollo Cruz versus Kevin Owens, the IC title, excellent, had a clean finish. I don't know where Apollo Cruz goes now. Uh, Sami Zayn attacked him afterwards, so I suppose we we'll go that for that program. And we have done it a lot, and we've had done it too much, but I'm still all good with it because I love it. And I always feel like when I finished SmackDown, I'm excited for next week's. But when it comes to Raw, I don't have that feeling at all. In fact, many a time I end Raw and I'm absolutely baffled. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, look at the start of Raw this week. What the flip? Like, I was so excited the fact we were going to do a Battle Royal. I was like, excellent, that's different. It's a match. And it's a Battle Royal, which is a stipulation. So that kind of feels like it stands out even more. And then all of a sudden, we have AJ Styles. And I love AJ Styles. He's one of my favorites. But he talks for ages and doesn't say anything. The New Day are talking. Then RK Bros talking. Then Miz and Morrison come out and they're talking. And it was like 18 minutes before we got the match. So I thought this was even worse than an opening promo. Because at least I expect that and you're setting the scene. Here you've set the scene for something else and now you're punishing me. I always, During some bits of that, I honestly was like, if I wasn't reviewing this, I may turn it off. Because <laughs> it felt like such a tease. And it just felt so, so strange. And the Battle Royal itself was fine. It was fun. I, I still, I get my uh, my eyebrows raise 
when you have a team like the Viking Raiders win it. Because you're like, well, why didn't you just give them some few wins before this? Because now it comes out of nowhere and it's so hard to buy them as the number one contenders. And they're a great team. But I don't think we've seen them for a couple of weeks. I mean, they came back and built Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. And then poof, we done. And RK Bro are brilliant. And that's why I imagine we came up with the over-the-top stipulation for this Battle Royal. Sometimes they do pins, very rarely. But it means no one cares that Randy Orton and RK have got thrown over the top rope. That doesn't count as a defeat. So I suppose at Hell in a Cell, those two guys go through the New Day, because later on we had Riddle and Kofi Kingston. Great match. And then coming out of that, you go to SummerSlam, and I would presume that Orton and Riddle win the championships at SummerSlam from AJ Styles and Omos. Kind of a shame in one way, because I don't think we've treated the Omos Styles team anywhere near as well as I was hoping post-WrestleMania. I thought they had something but yeah that overly long stretch out segment was worse <laughs> than what raw usually does because it felt like an absolute tease which is what you don't want to do again go look up the south park episode when they ripped into their fans the fans did not like it the jackson Riker thing as well i don't understand what we're meant to we're meant to think with this the breakup was teased and executed within five minutes on last week's raw and then we get to this week's raw and we have the match with not really much build up either and elias just goes screw it i'm gonna walk out and i think jackson Riker is meant to be a good guy because he's cut his hair it's like what it's just lost on me like it's really confusing i watch it in complete neutral i don't like it i don't hate it it just exists within the ether of this wrestling show and i suppose yes you can have the argument well last week jackson Riker did say you know i'm a war hero and so on and so forth but he did it like he didn't do it in a and if you are if you if you join the armed the, the, you know the armed forces or whatever you want to call it i have nothing but massive respect for you it's an incredibly hard thing to do i certainly couldn't do it so you know again all the respect in the world but looking at it from a story point of view jackson Riker said all that like he was a bit unhinged <laughs> and you could have unhinged good guy characters but they have to be well thought out and they have to be three-dimensional and he is not and they just cut his hair I, it's so weird. I can't even explain it better than that. There's nothing else to latch onto. And I think this is the issue with Raw, which is why when later on, when all of a sudden you have this really in-depth stuff between MVP and Kofi Kingston, which came out of nowhere, with Co you know MVP saying, you know, you could be the best. Kofi Mania was amazing, inspired me to come back to the, the company. But you're so obsessed with your friends and family and things that aren't successes. And then Kofi fires back with like, no, that's what inspires me. And, you know, I want to be, be a role model to kids and I want someone to believe they can grow up and be the next Kofi Kingston because he's all about diversity. Oh, man. But then you have another issue because it's like, well, now I want to see Kofi versus Bobby Lashley at Hell in a Cell. And I'm not getting that. We're getting Drew versus Bobby. And this is nobody's fault. But the Drew versus Bobby Lashley feud just feels a bit worn down now. It feels a bit thin. It feels a bit tired. Just because we are getting week to week without any real, you know, story points or, or meat on the bones to sort of really bite into. It just doesn't exist. And then when you wheel them out in a contract signing, and I like all that gaga, I like weigh-ins, I like contract signings, but it feels like this is just what we do. It feels like WWE, specifically Raw, is in a massive pattern. And some of the back and forth they had here makes no sense. The last thing that Bobby Lashley said, I should have written it down, but it did not tie into the conversation at all. And the fact we're doing a contract signing and we added two stipulations during the contract signing to the point Adam Pearce was just jotting them down on a piece of paper. There's got to be a better way to do it than just bringing it up in conversation. So it is going to be a hell in a cell and it is going to be Drew McIntyre's last shot at Bobby Lashley as the champion. And I got to imagine that Bobby Lashley wins. When we're heading towards SummerSlam, which has been confirmed for August 21st, can't remember if we talked about this last week, so a Saturday. And they're only doing it a Saturday because they're doing it at that Las Vegas venue and they wanted a Saturday. So if you're into combat sports, you're getting Pacquiao Spence in the evening, super evening, and then you're getting SummerSlam <laughs> a few hours before. 
I'm massively intrigued to see how this does. And it's WrestleMania's fault, really, because WWE has now run two pay-per-views over the last uh, year with WrestleMania 36 and 7 on a Saturday, at least half of it. And they did well. So I think they want to try it, whereas AEW's gone the other way. So it's it's very confusing. But when we get to SummerSlam, I think we do Roman Reigns versus John Cena. I think we do Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. And I'd be all right with something like a Drew McIntyre versus a Seth Rollins because the draft is coming up soon. I think before, I think it's, it could be after SummerSlam, but if we, if it's not, I wouldn't mind Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles either, although I don't think we'll get that. But there are big matches for Drew that we can do. But yeah, we get through all of this and I don't particularly feel enthused about it. And it was the biggest problem with Raw 2, and the next segment sums it up massively, is all the matches are good. You don't get bad matches on Raw. Everybody is super duper talented and they're really, really fun to watch. And, you know, I want them to do well. But you take Humberto Carrillo versus Ricochet. Not only do I feel like I've seen it constantly. Sheamus is on the outside. He's got a broken nose. He can't get involved. So I'm sure we've changed some of the plans. But the United States uh, championship run that Sheamus is having just isn't all that great because he can't really get involved in any kind of a feud and you need that. But then it ends with a double count out. So I enjoy the match. And again, tying it into ups and downs, I give it an up. But then it finishes at a double count out. I'm like, well, I feel like I wasted my time. And it was a great way to get a double count out that sets a Spanish fire on the floor. But I'd rather you just didn't do the double count out, especially because the last match was the Elias match when we saw a count out. It just makes finishes meaningless. And I don't know about you, but I develop these habits where I'm like, well, I'm not, in, I'm not even going to expect to have a winner or loser because I know how Raw operates and you never want to get there. Jeff Hardy versus Cedric Alexander. Of course, we did get a clean winner, but that just baffled me too. It leaves me with more questions. Again, I enjoyed the match. Jeff Hardy is really good. Cedric Alexander should be, you know, we should be doing more with him. But I'm like, where's, you know, where's Jeff Hardy been? Let's say I just watched Raw and don't know he's been on main event. Where is Shelton Benjamin? And then Jeff Hardy just beats him. And you know they're going to do it again next week, but why? He lost. There's no reason to do it again. People seem to be coming down a different side of the fence when it comes to Nikki Cross and Oscar taking on Charlotte and Ripley. By saying that, I'm just repeating what I just said. I thought the match was fun. I liked it. I think Oscar's great. I'm glad that Nikki Cross has been inserted into this because otherwise the women's division in Raw would feel like it was in a time loop. I just don't like the stuff between Charlotte and Rhea. I'm being well too negative today. You'll have to forgive me. But I like to point out as well, being positive doesn't mean you just say nice things all the time. That's ridiculous. It means you... Yeah, you try and spin a positive light onto it, but ultimately, you've still got to be honest and transparent. But this whole, oh, can they coexist as tag team partners is so overdone in WWE. And some of the spots they did here just looked a little bit, I don't want to say rubbish, but just a little bit weak. You know, it didn't really grab me by the by the horns. And the whole point of this is that I should want to see Charlotte versus Rhea at Hell in a Cell, and I don't. You know, Charlotte hits her with a natural selection, which just allows Nikki Cross to pin her. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll take Nikki Cross and Oscar and just throw them into the background. I think it's because I don't know whether Rhea Ripley is meant to be a good guy or a bad guy. I've got absolutely no clue. I mean, Charlotte's clearly a bad person, but they both kind of not rub me the wrong way because I like both of them as performers. But in terms of their characters, I don't really know where, you know, if Rhea Ripley is meant to be a babyface, where's the sympathy? You know, where am I meant to, to jump on here? So just doesn't feel well thought out, if I'm totally honest. But I did think the match was good and it was. I'm glad that Oscar was back this week because she vanished. Despite it being two minutes, I quite like Mansoor versus Drew Gulak. But again, because it tied into a bigger narrative, which is Mustafa Ali secretly teaching Mansoor not to trust people because they may screw him over. And that's why, you know, he kind of reversed the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up and the tights into his own version. Now, if this goes somewhere, which again, I don't trust because WWE's let me down so many times, I actually quite like it. I think it's a good pairing. I'd be intrigued to see sort of how it develops. If it builds to a match at SummerSlam, awesome. If Mansoor wins, fine by me. I still think we should do more than Mustafa Ali. But if, 
you know, Ali has, unfortunately, the retribution thing didn't help him, whereas Mansoor is relatively unscathed. I mean, he was fighting with Sheamus, so who knows what happens there. But it left me with a, a feeling in my stomach of, okay, if you deliver on this, I think I'll quite like it. And then, yeah, we got Kofi versus Riddle. It was Kofi Kingston's night in many ways. You know, had that great promo. This was a good match. Uh, he got the win after hitting the trouble in paradise because Riddle screwed up his own move, which I thought was quite a nice touch. And really, RK Bro, I mean, the New Day are always good, but RK Bro as a team, I think, are just getting better and better. They are, you know, they have characters, they have defined roles. The relationship is there. It's growing. Randy Orton didn't start out, you know, supporting Riddle, but then he came out to help him, so on and so forth. So I look forward to all of that. And then, yeah, we got the Shayna Baszler, Alexa Bliss stuff. Just wasn't for me. Didn't really get it at all. Uh, the sort of over-the-top cinematic camera angles when she's stomping on Lily, it takes me out of it even more. I almost want this to be shot, ironically, bad choice of word, but raw. <laughs> so it feels like something, but it doesn't. It's over the top and it's not for me. So that's it. It's a strange show. I'm just realizing now I'm not 100% sure we talked about uh, all the releases last week, which obviously ties into to raw especially. Uh, there was only one show last week because it was my girlfriend's birthday so happy birthday to her and I wanted to make sure that she had the attention and the uh, the celebrations that she deserved so I did I, I took some days off um which you may have seen if you did watch ups and downs when my my camera equipment broke <laughs> when I wasn't at home so I just had to film it in a room but hey ho that's life it's <laughs> but I really was I was massively surprised by them when I saw Braun Strowman Alexa Bliss's name Alexa Bliss, Alistair Black's name. I just, I couldn't make any sense of it. And ever since then, sure, we've had some other information come out there. Braun Strowman was on a million plus deal a year, which is a lot of money. And I suppose if they felt like they'd done all they could with him or they didn't have any plans, and you're not a top, top guy, which he wasn't at the time, even though he was just in a number one contender match or a WWE title match, you know, you're still going to be walking that tightrope. But Alistair Black was the one that floored me. I don't mean this in a bad way, but if it happened a few weeks ago, none of us would have been surprised because he hadn't been used on television. If somebody hasn't been used on television and then all of a sudden they get let go, you go, well, it sucks. And I can't understand why you weren't able to do something with Alistair Black. However, sure, if you're not using him and then you decide to make cuts, it just stands to reason you don't get him and there's not much we can do with that. But he just came back to do a program with Big E to the point there's now reports that say they don't know what to do with Big E because he lost his story and if we're in a position where we don't know what to do with Big E and Alistair Black I don't even know I don't even know what to say it just, it, 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 look and I get it people who's going oh, it's a business and you know people come and go and you know what you're 100% correct like you really really are you, you can't argue that Vincent Mann is allowed to hire and fire whoever the hell he wants to to hire and fire. But it doesn't mean it's sad. It doesn't mean that it's something I want to see. And I often think a lot of the people that do get let go, it's through no fault of their own. It's not like in there's something else that... Well, basically, WWE hasn't given them a fair crack of the whip. And when that happens, it does become quite frustrating. I mean, Braun Strowman is the exception, like, you know. But even then, there was that time when he clearly should have been the champion and we should have stopped with the Roman Reigns push. Not Roman Reigns' fault at all. No one's going to turn that down. But we should have pulled the trigger and we didn't. So I suppose that you could argue that. Ruby Wright was another one. You know, all these reports have come out saying that she was beloved backstage, which makes it even more of a shame. But also, if you've ever seen her wrestle, she's really good. And was she ever really given a chance to do that? No. I mean, the Wright squad broke up and the Wright squad were back together. And then she was just here, there and everywhere. You know, sometimes she'd be on TV and sometimes she wasn't. And that puts you in a treacherous position. And as for Lana, I don't really know what else Lana could have done in order to 
you know, she, she was doing everything she possibly could. And we never should have taken her out of that act with Rusev. Of course, we shouldn't have taken out that with Rusev, but we did. So that kind of put her on a pathway that was always going to make it difficult. And Buddy Murphy, it's the same thing. He was having a, you know, he got into that Rey Mysterio, Aaliyah relationship thing, and we just took them off television because we didn't know what to do with them. So once again, when it's time to let people go, you're like, well, we don't know what to do with him, and that's that. And it's always it's always such a shame. In terms of where I think people could go, I mean, they, they could go anywhere. I don't like it when you see, or, well, the two things I don't like. One, or AEW got to stop hiring people. Look, WWE has been the dominant brand for 20 years. Well, literally, WCW closed its doors in 2001, so over 20 years. Everyone is going to have some of that stink on them. They just are. So you've got to let it go. It's not like TNA back then. It's a completely different situation. But also, people go, oh, Braun Strowman wouldn't fit in an AEW. You don't know that. They may take Braun Strowman, and he may be the best hire ever. Like, give the man a little bit of credit. And I know he said that stupid stuff at the start of the pandemic when he criticized independent wrestling. The word on the street is that he understood it was wrong, and he was educated. And as long as that is true, then I think we can forgive him for it. But I did when he did read that, I thought it was terrible. It was a stupid thing to say. But even then, two wrongs don't make a right. It doesn't mean that we should want someone to get fired. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't want them to get hired somewhere else. That just makes you as bad as them. Because you're going down to their level. Don't do it. Go the other way. Raise yourself up. Be the bar like Seamus and Cesaro. But... I mean, personally, I don't think Braun Strowman would go to AEW, not because I don't think he's a good fit. I just don't think, I just don't think they need a guy like that right now because they got Wardlow, they got Jake Hagar, uh, they got Lance Archer. They already got these beasts. They got monsters among men. So why would you bring in another monster among men? Not that I don't think he could add worth, and he may add eyeballs as well, especially if you use him on something like Rampage, which may be a difficult time slot if all the ratings information recently has been. You know, it stands to reason that it's going to affect Rampage when it starts on August 13th, too. Maybe he'll help with that. But I think he'd work in New Japan once the pandemic calms down. They love a foreign big guy, so that works. Buddy Murphy can go anywhere. Buddy Murphy gets a lot of, oh, he's just like Kenny Omega, too. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I'll be Kenny Omega 3. Kenny Omega is so good. So he can have good matches all around. I would like to see Lana and Miro back together. I think that act was always good. I wasn't bored of it when they broke it up. And while it is a little bit like copying what WWE did, hey man, if it's good, who even cares? And I would like to see Ruby Riot in WWE, uh, WWE, AEW as well too, because I think that women's division just keeps getting better and better. And what you want is premier workers, which is what she is. As for Alistair Black, I mean, who even knows? He could go anywhere too. There was a rumor going around that, so there wasn't even a rumor. Booker T said that he didn't think he stood out, Alistair Black. I was like, man, Booker T, you've got to be smoking something crazy. Alistair Black, the most unique cat ever. You don't have to like him. That's not how it works. But, you know, if you go, if you go listen to all the Twitch stuff that he's done, he's, um, he's got an interesting take on professional wrestling and his character. And we thought a lot of this stuff out. So, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy wherever he turned up. He's just a dude I want to see evolve and progress. And, you know, no matter where that is, I'd be uh, I'd be cool with it. But very, very strange. And obviously, Andrade, talking about AEW, somebody that got released recently, he did turn up on AEW TV. Surprise, surprise, that nonsense about how he's asked for creative control wasn't true. When I read that report, I was like, that's not true. <laughs> There's no way. Tony Khan wouldn't do that. Tony Khan's not an idiot. Tony Khan runs the Jacksonville Jaguars. He runs Fulham Football Club. This guy ain't going to bow to anybody's demands, especially not someone like Andrade. I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging way. If it was John Cena or a Brock Lesnar, then yes. And, but Andrade just isn't on that level. Not that he can't be. He hasn't been put in a position to be able to make it to that level. But Tony Khan doesn't need to do that. And you know what? I don't think he'd even do it for John Cena and, 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 Braun, and Brock Lesnar. I think that he needs to... Uh, it needs to be that was the problem that's the real problem with wcw is that the inmates were running the asylum and tony khan knows that all of the news we have about tony khan is that this guy's head is screwed on the right way 
So, yeah, I'm not surprised that turned out to be uh, to be gibberish. And other than that, I mean, look, I'm not putting any stock into ratings at the moment because the NBA playoffs is is destroying anything. And also, I just don't care anyway. Eva Marie is going to debut on Raw next week. Rumor is she may actually be, it may be a twist and she's not actually going to be wrestling at all, which does tie into these videos where she's like, oh, I'm going to show you how good I am and how much I've got better. And then she may come back in managing somebody else. I think the two people that were mentioned were, oh, I can't remember their names now because I'm a moron. Let me see if I can find it quickly because I can't remember their WWE case. Piper Niven, that's right. Piper Niven, who's in NXT UK, or Mercedes Martinez. Now, it would be weird if it's Mercedes Martinez because she hasn't wrapped up her NXT program yet. doesn't mean that you, she couldn't do both. But I would like that. I think that's quite, uh, that's quite a good spin. But uh, thankfully, she is on Raw next week because those videos have run their course. I love the fact we've done the videos, but as ever, we eat them out too much and we should have cut them we should have cut them probably a couple of weeks ago. But hey-ho. And also, if you haven't seen uh, Matt Cardona's surprise appearance in GCW, I would check it out. Pretends to be John Moxley. Hits Nick Gage with the uh, uh, the Death Rider or whatever, we're calling it the Paradigm Shift. Really, really good. Like, really, really, really good. So, yeah, if you haven't, um, if you haven't seen that, you should check it out. I'm kind of hoping that this is... I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? This is... I don't want to say his coming out party because that seems that seems way too unfair. I think he's been done a decent job after after WWE, but maybe he hasn't made his mark. And hopefully this will be this will be his making his mark. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with this. It's a really cool moment though, and it made me remember why the world's opening up again and people being able to make their impressions on the independent scene is going to be so important in terms of falling out of the WWE system and then making sure that you appreciate it in a new way. So that rocked. I watched all the documentaries this week as well. So I've seen, well, I say that I've seen the A&E one. So I saw the Mick Foley one and I've seen the, the Bret Hart one, both really, really, really good. I thought the Bret Hart one, especially I thought was, was tremendous. It was just nice to have a positive spin on the Bret Hart story, which obviously is filled with screw jobs, quite literally, and uh, and tragedy and i know they didn't cover everything but a it's a wwe production but also it's only an hour and a half without adverts so i kind of watch these things expecting it to be quite light-hearted entertainment maybe not light-hearted but light entertainment and it, it was and it just reminded me why bret hart is my favorite wrestler ever and i actually think he gets better with age because the story with bret hart up to this point has been you know, he is the quintessential stereotypical wrestler. Got screwed here, got screwed there. This is bad, that's bad, everything a bad, bad. But now it's slowly changing into one of the best technical wrestlers ever. Could have a match with anyone, but also you can pick him up and put him in any wrestling era ever, and he just works because he makes wrestling seem real. You can say, Simon, you are over-egging this, which is fine, maybe I am. But when I watch Bret Hart, I totally believe everything he's doing. And it's one of the reasons I got into wrestling, because of him and because of the way that he... Yeah, he put everything together. So I, I I strongly recommend if you haven't seen it. I don't think you'll learn anything new, but it's very well put together. Bret Hart is super honest. You know, for a guy of his caliber and a guy of his stardom, I would say that he is way more honest than, um, uh, you know, a lot of wrestlers would be from that era and today. And that just makes him even more likable to me. And it makes me want to get behind him even more. So yeah, make sure you can check that out if you are if you are able to do it. And I don't think I'm sure there has been something else that's gone down that I have now completely forgotten about, but I don't I don't think so. It has just been a crazy, crazy time, sort of after double or nothing, and I guess maybe we'll say after WrestleMania, it does feel we've hit that 
Low point, is that a bit much? I think that's a bit much. Low point seems unfair, but... You know, with AEW moving to Fridays, which is not their night. They're still doing amazing numbers on DVR, by the way, and everything else suffering because of the playoffs. I mean, Raw needs a kick up the ass. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. Raw needs an absolute kick up the ass. But will that happen when fans come back? Are we going to get through Hell in a Cell and we'll do it there? I have no idea. Talking about Double or Nothing as well, because we kind of really skirted over it because David hadn't seen it seven days ago. I just thought it was, um, I just thought it was terrific. I just thought it was absolutely excellent brilliant pay-per-view where i couldn't find anything wrong with it not everything was perfect but a down is reserved in the ups and downs dictionary for something that is truly terrible and i I just didn't find that i just didn't i just thought what a easy to watch fun wrestling show where of course the fans were the star and i know that i'm boring boring we've heard this you know we've, we've heard that a thousand times already but that's because it's true you know, they were loud. They were proud. I think it was like just shy of 5,000 people, but you would have thought there was a million people in there. So it was just a, a 10 out of 10 thing all, all round to me. And the fact that we got to watch that and then we led into SmackDown, I was just like, man, it's a good week. It's a good week for wrestling. And I'm really intrigued to see how uh, Hell in a Cell goes too. Because I think that Bobby Lashley will win, as I've already mentioned. I don't think Roman Reigns is going to lose it anytime soon. And then we have to get through Money in the Bank and John Cena is going to be coming back and Edge and Sasha Banks. So there's loads of there's loads of stuff on the horizon. So hopefully in a month's time, I, I say we're in a better place. But again, it's just, <laughs> it's just, uh, what do you call it? Um, Raw. <laughs> I feel bad ragging on Raw. Raw is really bad. Like Raw is, Raw, Raw is really bad. There, there, there's no two ways about it. It's not a, it's just not a good show. But never, never mind. It's just wrestling. We can deal with it. We can move forward. And of course, everybody now is also talking about that maybe WWE is about to sell sell the company. I can certainly see it based on everything that's been happened. It does feel like a consolidation process to increase profits. And who could blame them if they get offered $4 billion, $6 billion like the UFC? So maybe it does happen. Maybe maybe it doesn't. Like I do think it would be one of the most, if not the biggest story in terms of business to happen since we've all been watching professional wrestling. Because of course the WWF and the WWE and the WWWF has always been owned by the McMahons. It's always been a family business if you want to call it that. So all of a sudden... If it was owned by a, an NBC or a Disney or a, whoever, you know, pick whoever the hell you want. You know, what the hell does that look like? How the hell does it change? Who's actually in charge of the whole thing? I can't ever see Vince McMahon giving it up, but you never say never. Like, we've seen absolutely more crazy, crazy things happen. So we will see. I would say if you do think it's going to happen, you should absolutely buy stock in WWE right now. Because there is a big sale that will go up. Like if they sold for under what people expected, they would go down. But they wouldn't do. Like they would go up. <laughs> of course it would go up. So maybe you want to do that. Maybe you don't. You absolutely shouldn't be listening to me for stock advice. I know nothing about the stock exchange. That's just what I think. But it's probably absolutely, absolutely gibberish. Otherwise, I guess we can touch on this WWE New Japan talks. Because you know, there was that rumor going around. that Well, not even a rumor. Nick Khan reached out to New Japan and said, hey, do you want to be our sort of you know exclusive western partner and really it was going to be more of an nxt thing and it was going to be more sending up and coming guys to japan than vice versa and it was a way to try and make daniel bryan's dreams come true i think that's what sparked the conversations to begin with daniel bryan wants to work new japan cmml ring of honor AAA. who else knows where he wants to go so wwe was trying to make that an option I, I, I saw recently that it seems like he's going to resign with WWE, so maybe they have done something. But who the hell knows? I don't know. Again, he's like a Samoa Joe and Alistair Black to me. Wherever Daniel Bryan wants to go is fine because I'll go out of my way to watch him. And as long as I can see him, 
that's all I care about, right? I just want to see him able to wrestle. And I want to see him in a place where they will take care of him and doesn't run him into the ground, especially with his health issues. And it also sounds like, you know, you know, kind of uh, triggering off that point that uh, Total Be- Bellas is ending. I don't know whether anybody here watches Total Bellas. I used to watch Total Divas for a while. I've never actually sat down and watched a whole episode of uh, Total Bellas, but it's kind of a big deal. It's been going a long time. It was certainly influential in getting more women to watch the WWE product as a whole. But it sounds like the E isn't massively fussed about renewing it. And Nikki and Brie Bella, now that their mothers are like, do I really want to bring my child up on television? And the answer is potentially no. So more power to them. They get a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Criticism, the Bellas. Or a lot of, they're getting for a hard time, although they didn't do much. Man, they still busted their ass. Whatever happened to busting their ass not being enough? Okay, you didn't like them as a wrestler. Don't know who this fictional you is, but you didn't like them as a wrestler and you don't think they deserve this. Why can't you go, but hey, man, they still live their dream and they still put a lot of effort in. Effort is just thrown off the table these days and I want to bring it back. Simon Miller, bring it back effort in 2021. And on that note, it's time to answer some of your questions. Again, go to Simon316 on Twitter and you will see a tweet, usually on Tuesday mornings, and I will just go through a random selection of them and I will answer them because I love you all. My man Lotus Moon Productions says, I love Alexa Bliss and I can handle the spooky stuff. But Shayna, how do you feel about Shayna after she has been moved up to Raw? I feel like it's been a mess, the tag team championship included. She has been pinned by so many and is now scared of a doll. <laughs> can you help Simon? Well, I agree with you. And I personally much preferred how she was booked in NXT. She was never really allowed to be the warrior. I mean, when she debuted, she bit Becky Lynch's neck, which I did like. But again, there was always like, well, that was a weird thing to do. And it created a conversation about the wrong thing. So I don't know why we're doing this. I hope there is a plan. I hope that we're all proven wrong. But right now, I can't know. (laughs) I cannot help. Jinder Mahal, not the Jinder Mahal. Where's Jinder Mahal? There you go. There's another raw problem. He turned up with two new friends and then didn't want to come back to work. Cheers, Jinder. Uh, who would you have beat Roman Reigns? I personally would have had Reigns beat The Rock, but eventually be- get beaten by a returning John Moxley. Well, that's not going to happen. I wouldn't. There's no way they're going to bring John Moxley back and put him over Roman Reigns. Not in a million years. I actually think if Roman Reigns and The Rock go at it, The Rock's going to win. I think The Rock wins. I think he does the match to tie into a big movie. I think he retires with the belt and he goes into the Hall of Fame because I'm convinced. I like The Rock, but I'm convinced that Dwayne Johnson is too smart when it comes to PR. And he knows what to do to get the most out of his minutes and to maximize, like I say, coverage. And that would be the best way to do it. In terms of who beats Roman Reigns, I mean, my choice would have been Alistair Black or Big E. So one of them's gone. So I'll stick with Big E. That would make me very happy. Britt Baker's belt carrier, good name, says, Women's tag teams in the larger companies generally tend to be two individuals who have been paired together. What can be done in the wrestling community to build more established female tag teams that can be brought in as a package to bring about a more competitive division? Well, you just have to present them as a tag team. That's about it, right? You know, if Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler had started wearing the same gear and calling themselves uh, Nyla, they could have called themselves Nyla. No, Nyla Rose wouldn't have liked that, nor should she. But, you know, then then they would have done it. And I suppose that's a test. You know, that's a nod to Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke who did do that. They've just been. And where were they? They weren't on Raw either. Because <laughs> they fired Lana. So Naomi's gone as well. Stupid, stupid Raw. Eric says, Seth Rollins' character is excellent. But he doesn't seem to be doing much. What are your thoughts on giving him about with someone like Biggie or real Keith Lee when he returns? Oh, man. I'll take Seth Rollins working with anyone. Regardless whether you like the character or not, Seth Rollins is one of the best wrestlers that WWE has. He is one of the best modern wrestlers. He is truly fantastic. I like him a lot mikey says when you say there are some people that enjoy the alexa bliss versus Shayna Baszler segments do you truly believe this and if so why do you think wwe are committed to making the extreme minority happy in this instance well mike we don't know whether it is the extreme minority 
Don't forget, all the loudness you hear on Twitter is 100% the minority. It always is. The loud voice on the internet never represents the majority, or if it does, that is the exception to the rule. I can only go on the feedback that I get. And when it comes to the Shayna Baszler, Alexa Bliss stuff, I get 50% of people saying awesome. And I get 50% of people saying I can't stand it. Now, again, I am listening to the internet. So my survey is needs an asterisk next to it as well. You need to go out into the real world to find out what people are thinking of. But, you know, I don't... Look, WWE is not trying to make a bad show. So for one reason or another, they think this is good. But it's a television show that runs for 52 weeks a year. There is never going to be a time when they are successfully putting out content that you, as in the individual, like 100% of the time, because it's not possible. And it's probably why WWE should probably just get rid of 12 shows a year, just so there's a break and we can all take it so we'll all be desperate for it to come back. I truly think if we had just had 12 shows, what's that, like three months or whatever, if we had had three months off, I wouldn't care that Alexa Bliss was doing voodoo. I'd be like, ha, 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 silly wrestling is back. Isn't it fun? But because we go through it every single week, I think it just sort of grates on us a little bit more, as it would anyone, because we're only human. George says, how excited would you be if it ends up being Brock versus Lashley and Roman versus Cena at SummerSlam? By the way, I'm a huge fan of yours from Canada. I always play your videos while doing housework, and it's great. Dude, I love hearing stuff like that. If you had told me years ago that some guy from Canada was going to be listening to me, not only doing videos, but getting in touch, madness absolute madness so thank you very much i would like that a lot they're essentially treating SummerSlam as wrestlemania this year because obviously there was some uh, things they weren't allowed to do hence why they're running it in a stadium so let's go big and if we're going to do it they are two of the biggest matches you can give me and i think given that lashley has been talking about brock for years now it sort of gathers momentum just because of that so smart man lashley <laughs> i told everyone not to answer ask alexa bliss blazer questions but surprise surprise sean i will ask you this about bliss blazer would it have seemed so awful if it was earlier in the show? Nothing can change what it was, but as the main event, it seemed even worse. Um, I might have only felt it was stupid. Uh, it was just a part of Raw. No, because it's not the main event anymore. If we talk about the main event being when most people are watching, then it's not that last 20, 25 minutes on Monday Night Raw, or at least very rarely is it. Because in an 180-minute show, people check out. I would say whatever is the main event in the, in the last two hours, and the, the end of the second hour is probably the main event. I don't even think the main event exists anymore. But no, I think it would have gotten... It may have even been worse in the middle of the show because something would have had to have followed it. Who even knows? Ross, we all know Kenny Omega loses the AEW belt to Hangman, but who takes the TNT title off Miro? Well, I'm hoping no one. Why can't he be the champion forever? I did come up with this the other day. I had a really good answer, and now I can't remember. Maybe it will come to me, but I, I, I'd found somebody out. Oh, yeah, I said Sammy Guevara. I think you can hold on to it, let the whole inner circle pinnacle thing fall out. And given that that belt has been used to kind of shine a spotlight on someone, or a jungle boy, I think either of those would be good. A jungle boy or a Sammy Guevara. Crown a new star. Alex says, if you could make a trade of wrestlers between AEW and WWE with the goal being to benefit both, which two wrestlers would you swap and why? Oh, man, I don't even know. I don't really think there's one answer to that. I mean, if I look at Raw, which I think has holes in, as we've established, if you put someone like Kenny Omega on Raw, I think it instantly makes it get better, even if he's booked that way, because you can't not have good matches. Although we already have good matches on Raw, but I put Kenny Omega on Raw. And in terms of who I would take off Raw, I'd probably put Drew McIntyre onto SmackDown, uh, onto AEW, because I think he brings something that maybe they don't have. That's based on nothing, that is, but I'm going with it. Uh, Winter says, I guess the only question I have is Raw, what the F? <laughs> So there you go. My man Dustin says, Hey, Simon, can we get an award for Shayna Baszler for putting up with this nonsense? She is a beast and should be destroying everyone. A true professional selling it as best as anybody can. Totally agree. And that's the reason I didn't give it a brown down for all the people that asked me throughout the day. It didn't get a brown down because 
A, a few people did get in touch saying that they were enjoying it. Truthful or not, that's what they said. And I like to represent everybody. But also, I thought Shayna Baszler did as well with it as she possibly could. I really, really did. I think there was other people that wouldn't have done it as well. So yeah, shout out to Shayna Baszler. She doesn't listen to this, but shout out to her all the same. MSK says, hey, Simon, love your content. Thank you, my friend. Why do you think Hangman should fail at his first attempt at beating Kenny Omega? Because tragedy tells a better story. Shakespeare, my friend. That's where we learned all of this. If we built Kenny Omega and Hangman Page up, Hangman's going to win, Hangman's going to win, and then he loses. As long as you've read the room right, it may just be a John Moxie situation. We're like, well, he's got to beat Jericho because it'd be stupid otherwise. The sheer sympathy, again, if executed correctly, and heartache, will make him an even bigger babyface, it will make him an even bigger star, and it will make Kenny Omega an even bigger dick. And then finally, Hangman can have the proper redemption he needs after you know coming out of alcoholism and being a loner. And then he wins it, and it will feel all the more sweet. Now, in execution, it may not work. But from all the books that I do read, I know that I like those stories the best. Stuart, is Darby the best person for Miro to drop the TNT title to at full gear? And who are the best appearance for Miro out of the current roster? Well, Darby doesn't need it. I kind of feel like Darby is a star now. We don't need to go back to that too soon. So yeah, I would try and crown somebody else like we just said. So if Sammy Guevara or Jungle Boy are, are high on my list, there's probably somebody else I'm not thinking about. And Max Caster would be good, but he's more of a bad guy. So I don't think we need to do it. <laughs> I am Lockhart. How ridiculous do you think this Alexa Lily thing really is? That was the that was the same scene from Annabelle. What's next? They're going to be calling up the Warrens to perform an exorcism on Baszler because I bet she's now possessed. Just watch, dude. It could happen. It really could. Um, Balaji says, Simon, I've been watching WCW Nitro for a while now, and for the first time, I might stop when it gets real bad. But can I watch Thunder or can I skip it? I would never watch Thunder. <laughs> there, there were some good stuff on Thunder. But if I was going to sum up Thunder from episode one to the last one, rubbish. <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't watch Thunder. Nitro will catch you up anyway. Those shows were so long by the end. One, two, three, he kicked out, says, oh, sorry, one, two, he kicked out. Frankie Kazaria is the elite hunter, Kazarian. Who do you think is his first real victim? Like who does he cause to lose a title rather than just hunting them to drag them off camera? I had an answer to this because he deliberately went out for them. Wasn't it Brandon Cutler? No, it wasn't Brandon Cutler. It was Nakazawa who he properly took out, so maybe not Nakazawa. Actually, it probably would be Nakazawa first. I think he takes out Nakazawa, then Cutler, and he probably builds up to the Good Brothers. He probably has a one-on-one match with Kenny Omega. Obviously, he doesn't win, but I would imagine he goes to all of them, or so I hope. Uh, FT Pens, do you see Raw struggling to sell tickets once they're back on the road, given that the show is just awful? Or will the novelty of live wrestling get butts in seats? It's a good question. Uh, well, this is the whole point, right? Going back to what we were talking about earlier. Then we find out whether people like Raw or not. Because if they're willing to buy a ticket, then they like what's going on. And admittedly, some of it could be the novel of live shows. But I also think if you really hated it, you go and spend your money on something else. But I hope they sell tickets. I want wrestling to do well. I'm not a crazy person that goes, I hope everything dies. I'm not saying you're doing that, my friend. But people say it and it baffles me every time. Striker, who do you think uh, who do you think Seth should face if not Roman at SummerSlam? I think Edge would be a great choice, and I also want to see Cesaro challenge for the IC title at SummerSlam. Thoughts, dude? I think you've got it head on. I think you absolutely do Seth versus Edge, and you tie it into that uh, skit that Seth Rollins did with Edge years ago when he threatened to break his neck. Feels like a massive match to me, also a first timer. And if we do Cesaro, Cesaro versus Apollo Cruz, and maybe Cesaro wins the IC title, happy days all around. So hell yeah, dude, good booking. Tim, I have a couple. You predicted that AEW... Oh, sorry, I predicted the date that AEW ratings beat Raw constantly. Oh, my predicted date. What do I think? And who do you think will be the first major defector from AEW to WWE? Oh, I don't know. I hope that no one actually beats anyone's ratings and everyone just does millions and millions of viewers. But for the sake of fun, I will say the 
1st of March 2022, or whatever show is closest to that one. And in terms of the first major defection, well, it all depends on contracts and who offers what. But again, just for some fun, I will pull a random name out of my hat and say the person to jump ship will be... Dun, 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 dun. Need to think of someone. Wardlow. I don't actually think that's going to happen at all, but I've said it now. Uh, cult of Persipicatity. I can't read that. Persipacity. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you may not know this, but in WCW, did people write Michael Buffer's introductions or did he just make it up like Leg Drop of Doom and Torture Rack of Doom? I'm pretty sure he was allowed to say whatever he wants. They paid a fortune for Michael Buffer, so I can't imagine anyone knocking on his door and saying, you've got to say this. I'm sure they gave him some notes, but I think you pay for Michael Buffer and he comes up with his stuff. So I'm going to say that. Mark, do you think Andrade needs a manager in AEW? If so, is there someone you'd prefer over Vicky Guerrero? I don't like the Vicky Guerrero Association. Not because I don't like Vicky Guerrero. I think she's fine. I just, it just didn't do anything for me. You know, sometimes you just watch some stuff and you go, oh, that made me feel a bit flat. I don't think Andrade needs a manager. I think everybody in AEW has a manager, which I'm all for, but some guys don't need it. And I think he would be one of them. Hopefully she was just used as a catalyst to bring him in and they can move him apart. Also, you do then start getting the Eddie Guerrero uh, comparisons. And some people go, that's not a very nice thing to say. But of course you're going to think it. He's a Latino dude that wrestles a bit like Eddie Guerrero and you teamed him up with his wife. You're perfectly allowed to come to that conclusion. But no, I don't really see anybody else that would be a good fit. And I just don't want him to have a manager. Uh, if he says, in my eyes, Chris Statlander fits in perfectly with the best friends. What are your thoughts on the addition of her? And where do you think it'll take her? Well, I think she's great. I don't know whether she's still doing the alien thing, but I love how much she throws herself into it. And yeah, I think when the time is right, she will be a major player in that women's division. And she'll be a women's champion. I really, really do. She's got all the potential in the world. She's fun. She's got a character. She's got a persona. Does really fit in well with that stable. And unlike managers, I will take stables forever because it stands to reason you want a bunch of friends around you in no matter what walk of life. So yes, fingers crossed they, that this takes us somewhere good. Kai, I have a question and wanted to ask you about it. What is the best kids-friendly wrestling pay-per-view ever? Have to get them young, you know? Oh man, I have absolutely no idea. I think you'd have to sit down. I wonder if Google has an answer to this. Best wrestling pay-per-view to show kids. Because you would think that that's... I've got one about social distancing i got suggestions for best WWE match. Ha ha, just let him watch the old ECW pay-per-views. A lot of people mention Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage, sort of the 1993 WWF, which I get, because it is cartoony and over the top. So I think that's probably right. I think early 90s WWF, because it does feel like a bunch of cartoon characters running around, and kids love that stuff. And if they're not going to get into that, I doubt they're going to get into the more poor use of the, the word bland WW that is now. And when I say bland, I just mean in terms of colors and over the topness. Pointless user. You're not pointless, my friend. I have to say, fair play to Bliss and Shayna for going out there and selling the best they can, but it's awful. Does WWE realize why its Firefly Funhouse wasn't cool because it was odd? It had layers of meaning. No, they don't realize this. Helix says, What was the first pay per view you ever saw? Mine was WrestleMania 12. Five year old me holds Triple H versus Ultimate Warrior dearly in his heart, despite the haters. That's all right, dude. Things you watch as a kid have a different meaning. The first pay-per-view I ever remember seeing was Canadian Stampede. So what was that, like 97, summer of 97, whatever the hell that was. So I was super duper young. I was only, a, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't old at all. I, I, how I understood it, I don't know. But I remember watching that. I remember watching Bad Blood, which again was 1997. And I absolutely remember watching WrestleMania 14. So it must have been around that period where I really got into it. And I think that's when in the UK, you didn't have to buy pay-per-views. Sky would just show them. How nuts is that? You have to get a VHS tape and put it on long play in order to record them all. 
Uh, Rev Selena says, with yes men like Bruce Pritchard, Nick Khan, Michael Cole, and others in WWE, will Vince McMahon ever be held accountable for his crappy product and overproduction of the announced team? A little bit harsh, my friend. I don't think Nick Khan is a yes man at all either. I think Nick Khan is absolutely pushing his own agenda. Um... I mean, Vince McMahon doesn't have to be held accountable because Vince McMahon is at the top of the tree. And Vince McMahon thinks what he's doing is good. I don't I, I don't think what he's doing is good right now with Raw. I do with SmackDown. But at the end of the day, he thinks what he's doing is good. And that's all we can say. Sean says, how should WWE end their last Thunderdome show? Should they do an angle where the place blows up? Yes. And I think we kind of teased that last night. I think Alexa Bliss is probably going to blow up the Thunderdome. You heard it here first. Wrestling with fiction. With Roman's universal reign feeling like it's far from over, when would you like to see him drop the belt and who would you like to see him drop it to? Hope you're having a lovely day. Well, we talked about maybe who. Probably not for a couple of years. If that plan with The Rock is accurate, then yeah, he won't drop it to a WrestleMania 39, as stupid as that sounds. If it's not and he beats him, I don't know what you do after that. It's a good question, but I like that. I want a champion that feels like an end-of-level boss, especially if they're a bad guy. Random Unicorn. I'm curious as to your views on where the new set of releases should go and if you feel Alistair would be a great fit for the Dark Order. Well, we talked about the rest of them and no. I don't think there should ever be a new leader of the Dark Order. You're putting them in an unwinnable position. You know, Brody Lee is uh, an icon now in many ways and he's a tragic hero. So anyone that you put in there, you're just going to get people rightfully so and going, well, he's not Brody Lee. So no, I, I wouldn't put him there. But you certainly could use him, of course. Uh, S4 Junior, I'm rather short, five foot seven, but I want to be a wrestler. Is that practical? Dude, of course it is, my friend. Do not worry about your height. Do not worry about your weight. Just go and do it. Maybe you can be the guy that becomes so successful in wrestling, other five foot four people go, well, S4 Junior did it, so why can't I? Write your own story, and I truly mean that, and I get it too. I'm like uh, six, well, in shoes, in my boots, I'm like six one, and even I felt that was too small, and it is really for wrestling, but at the same time, it's not. You write your own path. You walk down your own road, and I know that you can do it. As long as you enjoy it, that's the most important thing. Uh, where am I going? Chronicles of Justin. How far do you think Big E's single run can go, even with the abrupt end to his icy reign and his feud with Alistair Black being cut? Well, it all depends. You just need to work him back into things as soon as possible. And I hope we do. I'm a massive fan of, uh, uh, of Big E, and I don't want anything to, to derail him. And I worry that it would because it is WWE and people get forgotten about a lot. Ready, Willing and Gable says, I'm sure you've answered this before, but how difficult was it to adjust to being a pro wrestler and how that going? Well, it hasn't been going for the last 14 months because of the pandemic, hopefully starting in a few weeks again, if I can get over my many, many elements. And it was super difficult, not necessarily adjusting. I don't think there's an adjustment there. It's just learning quite literally the ropes and the amount of conditioning you need and the cardio and the bumps and how much it hurts and this and that and just doing it. It's a really, really tough, but it's a really, really rewarding thing. And I'm very much excited to getting back to it. So you just have to accept that when you go there, you're going to need to push yourself. And if that isn't for you, that's fine. But no, I love it a lot. And again, if you want to keep up to date with any of my dates, Instagram, Twitter, Simon316, and we can do just that. Uh, Gustavo says, what do you think Eddie Guerrero would be doing now if he was still with us? That's a great question. See what, be mid-50s probably, I would guess, top of my head, because he passed away in, what, 2005? Yeah, so he'd be in his 50s. He could still be wrestling, although he was quite banged up even back then. I would imagine that he would be involved in somehow, be it an on-screen personality as a manager or a producer or an agent. You know, he was a wrestling genius, so you'd absolutely want to use him. I think he'd be an on-screen something, maybe a commentator or a manager. I think that's how you would get the most out of him. Swanton says, who do you think is the best tag team in WWE? And secondly, who is the best tag team in AEW? Uh, my favorite tag team in WWE at the moment is probably the Usos. After watching them the other day, I remembered how good they are. And my favorite tag team in AEW is the Young Bucks. 
I don't know why they get the criticism they do. I think they're flipping wonderful. I think they're one of the best tag teams ever. People are going to go crazy, but hey, that's just what I think. Steven says, why do you think WWE is such an inconsistent product? When do you think it started? Well, Raw is an inconsistent product because Vincent Mann rips up the script hours before each show and they're still rewriting it when it goes on air. And there's no way that you can be consistent when you're doing that because you don't have time to remember what you did last week or where you wanted to go when you have the Sword of Damocles holding over your head. So there's no, there's no way they can make it consistent. So whenever that started happening, <laughs> that's when it went bad. Jordan Best, with the draft coming up, who would you draft to Raw from SmackDown and vice versa? I really don't know. I think it may be worth drafting Drew. I think it may be worth drafting Seth. Switch those two. Don't know why. Just a gut feeling I have. And outside of that, I mean, I'd move the Miz. I know he moves all the time, but it kind of feels like he needs some fresh matchups when he does come back from injury. Or actually, no, I wouldn't move the Miz. I'd move John Morrison. I'd try and finally give him a main event push because i think he's excellent i don't think we've given him the opportunity he deserves uh probably move damian priest oh my gosh damian priest wasn't on raw oh that should have got a down i've let myself down there so let's move damian priest and try and do something with him uh saint says why do kids find wrestling far more enjoyable than adults because kids are forgiven man and they're innocent and they don't watch it like we do mike says simon was that the worst ending to raw we've seen in a while keep the tremendous work we love all what you do thank you it was pretty bad but again, the fact that we knew it was coming, for me at least, it, it softened the blow. Like, it wasn't as bad. Jay says, with the AEW ratings going down on Friday, do you think they should switch the show to a different day, the show being Rampage? Well, they can't. They've signed a deal now. It's that They wouldn't have chosen it for be there. It would be in TNT and TBS that said we want to put it there. I don't think we need to panic too much. The NBA players are off. It is a, a players are on. It is a brand new show. You can make anything work with the right advertising, the right promotion. So no, I don't think we should panic. I think we should stay the course, give it a year. And if we truly think moving it to a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever is going to be better, then that's what we should do. Uh, it's going to cause controversy if we move to Tuesday <laughs> for obvious reasons. But uh, we'll wait and see. Chris says, I just wanted to say thanks for watching Raw so I don't have to. Ups and downs is all that I need. Well, thank you for watching, Chris, because if you didn't, nobody would care who the hell that I was. Jay says, what is your opinion on deathmatch wrestling? I like it. I mean, it wouldn't be my chosen style of wrestling because sometimes I think it goes too far. But I think no matter what sport you're watching, there should always be an eclectic and a varied match. And I've watched many hardcore matches that have been tremendous or deathmatch wrestling has been tremendous. So yeah, I mean, bring it all in. Bring it all in. Daryl says, have you ever been to Singapore? I mean, the answer is no, but thanks for answering. Philly Boone Fitness says, Simon, when you retire from in-ring action, will you become a commentator? <laughs> I mean, probably not. I'm already kind of a commentator. If somebody wanted me to commentate in their promotion and I really didn't want to wrestle anymore, I'd absolutely say yes. But I'd probably just you know, go back to, well, I'd keep doing my YouTube stuff anyway. I mean, yes, if the opportunity was there, absolutely. I'd love to do anything like that. I think it's really fun. Uh, still in my sis guys says, why does everybody hate the boogeyman and other similar spooky gimmicks? Well, again, man, not everybody does. Just the haters are louder than the more positive folks. Some people love that stuff. So it's all good. Uh, Bryce, what's the weirdest wrestling fact you know? Pff, well, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not the weirdest one. is probably that Vincent Mann doesn't like sneezing. I mean, it's not like a surprising fact, but I'll never get over that. You can't control sneezing. <laughs> it just happens the fantastic paul do you think the undertaker ever ate anyone that's the official weirdest question we've ever had and i'm gonna go with no because i think we would have seen it pull up gaming one says would you watch another brawl for all no because it breaks the whole concept of wrestling because you're telling me you know that other stuff you just watched that's fake but this is now real as i won't make any sense so no no i wouldn't i mean i'd watch it but i don't think that we should do it uh, agent simon miller versus goldberg when as soon as my dreams come true 
Luke says, would you rather compete at WrestleMania for the title or win the tag team titles with Repo Man? Look, I love Repo Man. I ain't turning down competing at WrestleMania for the title. That means I've done very, very well. And we'll answer two more. First is Eddie Sanchez. Is it more fun to be a heel or a face? It's always more fun to be a heel. I've only done it once when I was performing in Scotland and I just got turned evil because I was a, a UK, uh, sorry, an English guy in Scotland. And straight away, you can see what people mean. But however, there's nothing better than a baby face pop when your music first hits. That just makes you feel uh, uh, brilliant. And Juan Dio says, who do you think would win in their primes, Jericho or Omega? Well, that's kind of an impossible question to answer because <laughs> wrestling is not fake, but it depends on what the booker wanted. In terms of who I prefer in their prime, well, I'm going to say Kenny Omega, but that's only because it's more fresh in my mind. I'm sure if I go back and watch Jericho in his peak, I'll be like, oh, yeah. But at the time, I was never a massive Jericho guy. Again, not because I thought he was crap. Everyone says, oh, you thought he was crap. No, you just gravitate towards certain people. And, you know, while millions and millions of people did towards Chris Jericho, one of the most successful wrestlers ever, easily in the GOAT conversation, just at that age, I was more interested in other people. Didn't mean I didn't know how flipping good he was, whereas now I really like Kenny Omega, so it's kind of biased in my mind. But uh, I'll go Kenny Omega, but yeah, it all depends on what Vincent Mann or Tony Khan or Gado or uh, Scott Demore wants to do. <laughs> they they pull the strings and on that note i will leave you for yet another week i do appreciate you always tuning in if you haven't subscribed please do it please do leave a uh, a review a five-star review you can say whatever you want call me an asshole uh, i'm trying to get my this, this i've had all these problems with my podcast that apple duplicated my feed and ever since then i've really been struggling to get out to the survivors that the survivors that well, yeah quite literally the surviving subscribers that i used to have and i think a bit more engagement may help me so anything you can do with that i would massively appreciate it again patreon.com for Simon 316 thank you so much for supporting me it means the world and it means you like what I do which is also a very humbling thing at Simon 316 on Twitter Instagram SimonAlertBigCartel.com if you want to buy some merchandise again new designs coming soon got a YouTube channel just search for Simon Miller and other than that just keep enjoying yourself keep enjoying your wrestling know that it is just professional wrestling it doesn't really matter so make sure you yell and scream and have fun with it but then leave it when you go to get on with the rest of your life otherwise my name is Simon Miller this has been Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast and I will chat to you on the next one.